Well, this episode might be a bit counterintuitive, but stick with us. We're going to question the real impact of common financial habits. Are the strategies you consider beneficial actually working in your favor? We explore the pros and cons of practices like ignoring account statements and strict budgeting. So join us for a practical discussion as we uncover the unexpected effects of everyday money decisions. Are your good money habits holding you back? We'll tell you next. In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, glad to have you on another episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Ben George with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, Retirement Income Planning Specialist at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Hello to you both. How are you today? We're doing great. How are you doing, Ben? Super, Ben. Doing well. I know we're just talking about the Packers. Uh, been quite a run for you guys. I know y'all are the lone yay, Packers yay. fans right in the area. <laughs> I think we're the only Packer fans within probably a 20-mile radius of where we sit right now. It seems like we're more or less in uh, bear country. Yeah. yeah, when we teach a class and we ask if there's any Packer fans, we're looked at like we're, we're uh, <laughs> Do you know where from you another planet. <laughs> yeah, that in fact, that's been kind of the death knell for the rest of the class, I think. Uh, <laughs> Sets the tone. How dare huh? you? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you live in Illinois, you know. That's funny. Yeah, well, when this episode comes out, who knows? They they might still be in it. If they are, they might be preparing for the Super Bowl. But otherwise, been a good run and mm. uh, been a good year. I know we're doing a lot of cold, and there was a lot of cold in the playoffs this past weekend. But we're glad to be here with you on the podcast and glad that you mm-hmm. have tuned in with us. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do that. And also, if you want to talk with Barbara and Phil afterwards or anytime, you can always schedule a meeting at pathfinderchat.com. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different because – Good money habits, you would think, are very beneficial, right? We want to create and build these habits and stick to them. But we want to talk, though, today, are those good money habits actually holding you back if you go too far? So we've got a few that we want to run through today. I'm going to share the good and the bad and then get have you both kind of weigh in on the habit mm-hmm. itself. So let's start with the ignoring account statements. So the good part of this is, you know, obviously you avoid overreacting to the market going up and down and all those fluctuations that happen constantly. And it keeps you in that long-term mindset. But the bad side of this is that you might miss some important account changes, right? And some opportunities to maybe adjust your portfolio. Yeah. You know, that's exactly it, Ben, Hmm. um, the good and the bad. So, you know, the answer is, you know, avoid watching your accounts every day. You should be a long-term investor if you're investing in the stock market, and the day-to-day fluctuations will drive you crazy. So in the big picture, your account will fluctuate, and that's been taken into account with the standard deviation number, as we call it, or your risk number in your portfolio. Just let the market do its job. The bad side of never looking at your statements is a lot of time could pass, and suspicious activity, let alone fraud, can be hard to go back on if too much time has passed. But thankfully, these institutions have gotten pretty good at catching fraud before you do, but you want to stay on top of it and beware. So if your account is set up properly, it could need rebalancing a couple times a year. Not always is that the case, but in high market upswings or big market drops in a short period of time, it should be rebalanced. And you'll see those, you should see those changes on your statement. So what is the answer? Well, it takes minutes to look at your monthly statement without dwelling on whether it's up or down. And when you're used to looking at them, then you're going to notice anything significantly different. You do want to look at your account values at least at the end of each year. 
keep your annual statements, bookkeeping records, say typically three to seven years. Uh, we have access to our client statements anytime, but for your own records, I would say keep them for at least three years. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the problems with uh, monthly statements being produced for for our clients, Barb, is that uh, you know it it gets it compels them to kind of focus on the short term view, right? And then also they can react to the short term view, which is not good. Uh, I had a client come in the other day, and um, I might have mentioned this last uh, podcast we did that uh, he was pointing out to me that you know the. Uh, the markets have been down. You know, I guess it's down year to date. I'm not sure where it's at today. Just but for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, just last couple of weeks. And so, my gosh, what's happening to the market? You know, it's going to yeah. wipe up our wipe off our uh, our gains from the previous year. But you know, I, I want to point out to our our listeners that the real returns aren't in what's happening in the market on a daily basis. You know, that's short term. It's driven by aberrant, schizophrenic kind of reactions to news. So where the real returns are generated from are the shares of stock that you hold in the portfolio. You're getting a return on investment there on a continuous basis through dividends and interest. And of course, the the whole the whole goal of your particular approach to this is to accumulate as many shares as you can. And so if you're taking those dividends and that interest and reinvesting that back in additional shares, you should have a nice buildup of additional wealth as time goes on. And uh, one of my friends who came in here recently, I pointed out to him that you know, he's got 25% more number of shares in his account now than he had four years ago. That's huge. That's huge because now it's going to produce even more dividends, more interest. And so do we care about what's going on on a daily basis? Yeah, not even monthly, quite frankly. No, you shouldn't. And, you know, I think, like you said, even in a down market, I mean, they still have the number of shares. Yeah. In fact, as a down market goes uh, and we're issuing dividends, interest, that type of thing, if we're doing dollar cost averaging, we're buying more shares and so, yep. of course, when the market goes up, you'll have more value. And that's that's all part of the strategy. Well, you know, when we have limited downturns in the market, if you will, you know, maybe down 3 to 5%. Mm -hmm. That's uh, Most people can take that. But when we have significant drops, you know, 10 11% in the market, what our clients have to remember is you, they do want to see those. It's hard to get through this, but you do want to see those because when it comes back, that's when the market reaches its new highs. Well, that's when people get spooked too, right? I mean, you ask yourself, well, when, what do we get points. paid for? You know, what do we get paid as advisors to them? Well, we get paid to help them avoid making bad choices. And bad choices could be getting out of the market at the wrong time. And so that's one of the things we want to do. We want to look at those down market cycles as being great buying opportunities. By and large, the companies that are in the portfolio are not really, they're not failing. You know, they are really still producing profits. And so they want to be part of that as time goes on. Do you have a written retirement plan? If not, you're not alone. Many people put off planning for their future thinking they have plenty of time. But the truth is time flies and it's never too early to start planning for your retirement. Pathfinder Wealth Management can help. Their team of experts, including Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, who you hear on the show, can guide you through the planning process and save you valuable time. And with their commitment to education, you'll learn how to set yourself up for success. Book a 15-minute chat with them today by visiting pathfinderchat.com. Don't procrastinate any longer. Your retirement is too important to leave to chance. Visit pathfinderchat.com or check the link in the description of today's show. All right, so the first money habit there, ignoring account statements. How about this one? Patience getting to the stock market. Seems like a good thing, right? You you might avoid entering the market at a peak. You talked about a little bit about that dollar cost averaging, right? You can 
maybe uh, be patient while everyone else is acting a little bit irrationally. But the bad side of that is maybe it might lead to some missed opportunities because we know the timing the market is pretty much impossible, even for the best investors in the world. Yeah, I want to focus on this question uh, at hand. Really, it's it's the question of timing the market or trying to figure out you know the most ideal time to get in and get out. And it's it's a question that comes up constantly. Uh, just recently, a prospective client came in and, and uh, she said, I think the market is overpriced. What do you think? And I asked her, well, why do you think it's overpriced? Or, and she said, well, the Dow has never been up to 37,000 before. Well, my response to her was, yes, that's true. I remember saying that when it was at 1100 in 1994 or 1984, uh, when it was 3000 in 1990, when it was 10,000 in 2004, and when it was 30,000 in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this, you have to understand that uh, what that particular number is based on is based on the advancement of the companies in the portfolio. Are they making profits? Are they being successful? And if they are, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, whatever index you're looking at will go up. It's going to continue to climb. Will it continue to go up indefinitely? I don't know. It's my opinion that it will because we live in a country that believes in free markets and innovation and rewards chance takers when they succeed. True? You know, sure. If you're taking a chance and you're making the success of your business, then you should be rewarded. However, I will not try to convince a person to invest when they are not convinced to do so. My mother used to have a saying that went like this, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. true. I mean, you you can convince, and I used to do that in the old days. I used to try to sell people into the opportunity of the market when they were just not really, um, they, they weren't meant to be there. Right. And I remember uh, a very well-known uh, professor of economics who has a Nobel Prize saying some people should be in CDs. Not in the stock market. Not everyone, no matter what, how much education, not everyone has a stomach for it. Yep, yep. But for those that aren't intentionally obstinate, but are really seeking real advice based on academic evidence, here's an example taken from J.P. Morgan on a 20-year study that they did. It's called the cost of timing the market. So if you were trying uh, to time the market and wanting to know when to put in one versus one to pull out, or just putting the $10,000 in there and let it ride, what would the results look like? Well, this particular study runs from January of 2003 to December of 2022. So, Barb, it's 20 years, and we're going to use the uh, S&P 500 as a proxy here. But let's say that you were able to miss the 60 best days in the market, 60 best days during that 20-year period of time. You pulled out, you put back in, you pulled out, you put back in, or you didn't put back in at the right times. That $10,000 would only be worth 4200 bucks at the end of that 20 years. You missed the best 50 days. Your money is worth fifty-seven hundred dollars. You missed the missed the best forty days, eight thousand. How about thirty days? You missed the best thirty days, eleven thousand seven hundred one is what you have at the end. Twenty days, seventeen thousand eight twenty-six. But if you only miss ten of the best days in the that twenty-year cycle in the market, only ten days, you'd have twenty-nine thousand seven hundred eight. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Twenty-nine thousand. It's more than double. Sure. Right. Yeah. But if you stayed invested, yeah, Ben, if you stayed invested the entire 20 year period of time, not $29,000, you'd have $64,844. Yeah. No comparison is there. Yeah. There's no comparison. So if you try to time the market and miss the best 10 days, you'll forfeit 50% of your gain. So the old saying is true is that, you know, the success is not a matter of timing the market. It's a matter of time in the market. So my advice is that if you want to try to determine market timing, the best time to get in and the best time to get out, 
Here's who you need to call. You need to call the California Psychic Hotline. <laughs> they will don't be we able, have one in Illinois? I don't think we have one here. No, uh, so the California Psychic Hotline. It's only it's a very unique uh, uh, benefit of living in California, I guess. And uh, and then you can try to to guess your way to success. Well, I have had uh, probably a few times over my 26 year career, uh, clients say, "When is the best time to get in the market?" And the answer is always now. Now. Right. Because you can't time the market, of course. So the market could go up from that day forward or could drop. We don't know. So if you did buy by chance at the high of the market, well, then your account would be rebalanced. So then we're going to sell off those shares that are high and replenish those that had dropped in value. But uh, the market, the time getting into the market is always now. Well, yeah, you don't know. Here's the here's the problem with it. You know, when you time the market, you have to be right on both ends. You have to be right getting out of the market, and you got to be right getting into the market. And that's not possible. It's I mean, 50%, right, on both ends, and it's, I don't know anybody who's done that successfully. Well, you could miss one of those best days, as you're talking about, too. Absolutely. I had a client in 2020 that, you know, as much as we educate our clients and during, you know, the uh, downfall of, you know, during the, the start of the pandemic, you know, trying to talk him off the ledge, and he's the only client that had left, and, and most most of our clients, Phil, as you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll listen to our reasoning behind all that. Um, he left and, you know, gosh, who would have known that when such a such a huge drop and a pandemic going on in this country would have brought back the returns that it did that year. I'm sure he's wishing he had not done that. I'm sure. Yep. All right, we're talking about some good money habits, how they actually might be holding you back. If you have questions for Barbara and Phil at Pathfinder Wealth, you can always log on pathfinderchat.com. All right. So we got a couple more here. Global diversification is next on the list. So the good news is you're going to spread out your risk, right? And you're going to capture growth. In different economies, that is the good. But the bad side of this habit is it's going to increase your portfolio complexity, and it's also going to expose you to the volatility of foreign markets. Well, global diversification does spread risk, and you need exposure to the global markets, both in developed and emerging countries. The returns on these markets can be double-digit returns in many years. Well, people think foreign markets are more risk, and they are higher risk, but you've got that negative correlation going on with U.S. markets. So when U.S. markets are down, typically international markets tend to produce better returns. Now, if you went and bought just foreign investments by themselves without being invested in the U.S., then that is risky. But inside of a globally diversified portfolio, you are reducing your overall risk because you're diversifying. You're spreading out your money in various areas. And Phil, you remember this uh, saying, the lost decade? Oh, yes. Yes. In uh, 20, 2000, 2000 through 2010, uh, if you just invested in the S&P 500, you would have lost money. So that's large growth U.S. companies. You would have been down eight out of those 10 years mm -hmm. versus the Dimensional Funds International Adjusted Market Index during that same time frame produced 6.9% average it's annual? return, average annual return, wow. 2000 through 2010, same time frame. So interestingly, last year in May of 2023, there's a paper that was written from Vanguard. And the U.S. outperformed international from April of 2013 through March of 2023 time frame. The U.S. was up 7.5% more than international due to rising stock fluctuations, higher earnings in the U.S. However, for the next decade, it would be a mistake to get out of the international markets because the forecast, according to Vanguard, notice the term <laughs> forecast. Forecast, yes. That's the word, yes. So that was, that's it, which is a guess uh, from March of 2023 through March of 2033 is that the international markets will have an average annual outperformance of 2.2%. U.S. stocks returning about 5% versus international stock about 
Now, again, that is a forecast, but more importantly, we can't predict outcomes. So the long-term view, stay the course and stay in the international markets and stay globally diversified. Yeah, you know, when whenever they quote experts, I, it kind of reminds me of his honor, the mayor of Chicago, Mayor Daly from years ago. And his saying was, to experts, what do they know? <laughs> you know, because they're often wrong, you know. But but here's why you need to stay diversified internationally. If you think about it, there's over 60, 60 to 70 countries in the world that really are uh, free market type com- countries, right? And so they allow free markets, stock markets of their own. They participate, you know, in the free trade uh, with us and other countries. And so they want to be just like us. In fact, they want to outproduce us, right? right? So uh, they're going to do their best uh, to manufacture goods and services that are going to be appealing to the United States. In fact, like we said earlier, uh, 70 to 80% of Walmart's products are manufactured overseas. And so I'm not saying invest in China. I, I guess we do have a little, maybe a, schmid, a smidgen of, of money invested in China. But by and large, we want to be in, in free market economies. China doesn't happen to be one. It's controlled by their government, right? So, but we want to have diversification nationally. We would be surprised to see where the market really changes over a very a quick, very short period of time. Turns around, and uh, we we see that uh, international can can outperform U.S. Uh, in a in a fairly uh, rapid period of time. Yeah, and I think you know when we're investing, and when we talk to our clients about this, and this is also good for our listeners to know, when we're talking about investing in the international markets, you know, we're we're talking about maybe you know one to two percent of these various countries, right? Because you know you've got you know China and Japan, and you've got India with you know double digit returns, but yeah, volatility is high. So we wouldn't want to construct your portfolio with a high concentration in those areas. So it's very low, but you need exposure to it to capture those returns. Yeah, it was really amazing to see how even the smallest countries like Romania might have the largest return in one year. Yeah. Well, if you go rush over there and try to put your money into Romania, of course, the next year it's one at, at the bottom. <laughs> right. You know, because everybody's gone there. But yeah, yeah, international has got to be part of your portfolio because much of the manufacturing going on in the world today is outside of the United States. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. That's pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, one last good money happy one we want to talk about here on the show today is patience when it comes to making financial decisions and building a plan. So we know patience is important. We don't want to react emotionally. But the good news here, you know, is in some cases, it can lead to better outcomes, right, if we're not making impulsive choices. But the bad Mm -hmm. side is when patience turns into procrastination, right? That's when it can really harm your financial life. I think, uh, Barb, you and I could probably count on our left hand those clients who have come into us um, who have some kind of a formalized written financial plan. Now, now, if we ask our client, do you have a, a written plan or do you have a plan of some kind? You know what they're going to respond by saying, yeah, I've got a 401k plan, but that doesn't count, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they really understand the choices that are available in that account and why they're making them, right? 
Or how's another one? Here, here's another one. Being conservative. I'm conservative or I'm an aggressive investor. That doesn't count either because they probably can't even define those terms, you know, yeah. if you think about it. So there are possibly some out there that that do have some kind of a written comprehensive plan that they do understand and, and good for them. But the reality is that most don't. And because it takes two things, it takes knowledge to put it together and it takes discipline to stay on course. And the greatest enemy of accumulating wealth, in our opinion, is procrastination in completing a plan. That's why we suggest you hire a competent, skilled, and seasoned advisor to assist, like Barb, right? But the client says, but Phil, they cost too much money. Well, too much money is a relative term. What are they really producing for you for the money that you're paying? The question is, are you getting what are you getting for that fee? So let me give you a great analogy that I've come across re recently about hiring a professional, okay? So when the greatest sea captains of the world are ready to come into port, they call the harbormaster and ask for a particular person to help them. Barb, do you know who that is? The harbormaster calls in a particular person. No. Yeah. It's called a harbor pilot. Harbor, okay. Harbor pilot, okay. They make big money, by the way, the harbor pilots in some of the big metropolitan areas in their harbors. The harbor pilot is a skilled, highly trained specialist with advanced skills and experience with one critical job, to get the ship safely home. So that particular captain and his ship will sit outside the harbor until that harbor pilot comes. And you've seen some of those particular documents where documentaries where they show the, the boats that are going up and down. Uh, it's amazing what these harbor pilots have to do to get on board these ships. But they get on the ship, take control of the wheel you know, in the in the pilot house there and steer that particular ship into port. So the captain of the ship has much to protect, you know, has a different set of skills. They understand the risks are greater. And one mistake getting into that particular harbor could sink the ship. They also realize that there are 10 times more dangers in that harbor than there is in the open ocean. They have shifting tides, mm -hmm. relative winds, boats all around them, sandbars, bridges, narrow channels, rocks, cables, sunken ships that they have to avoid. So think of the professional financial advisor as your harbor pilot. The advisor is there to help pilot your financial ship safely to its destination, to keep your portfolio growing, help you understand and absorb market uh, contractions or fluctuations, plan income, help you recover from your own bad financial decisions, which is a biggie, right? and also to reduce taxes. So there's a lot of things that go into this, this uh, financial harbor pilot kind of concept. So where are those financial harbor pilots that can help you construct and navigate the most important and dangerous part of your financial journey? Our job is to bring you into port safely. And then once you're in port, right, you're at retirement, help you to make sure that you're navigated properly afterwards. So schedule a 15-minute mini consult. Size of the account really doesn't matter. It's all totally free. You know, Phil, you know, clients that have been with us, let's say for 20 years, and we've designed portfolios for them. They no longer have earned income. Maybe they have a pension. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they no longer, they're no longer earning any money. So they've got savings and retirement accounts and they've lasted and they are still providing income, still staying ahead of inflation. And we've had people come to us in their sometimes fifties or sixties and they're in their nineties. Oh, yes. Closing in on 100, and those portfolios are still standing the test of time. Yeah, you know, and they were they were willing to help be helped in putting this financial plan together, but but we have to give them great credit for staying focused and disciplined in following that particular financial plan. And so we've got a lot of uh, time and grade 
with regard to these people have been successful over the years. Well, you know, that's a good point too, as far as an income plan, you know, you have to, you have to pretty much stick with a plan for to be successful. Well, if you're prepared to start planning and sticking with your plan, you could always get in touch with Barbara and Phil by calling 815-399-9806 over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Or the easiest way to do so is by logging on to pathfinderchat.com. Schedule a meeting right there through the website, pathfinderchat.com. All right. Very good discussion on some good money habits. Again, everything in moderation for the most part, right? You don't want to go too far with anything you do Mm -hmm. in life. And it's the same thing with your good money habits. So we've enjoyed the discussion today. Barbara and Phil, thanks for your time as always. And we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Ben. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.